This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM, WHCR, the voice of Harlem. I am here, Stanley Fritz with Selena Hill and Tiff Bisley for Shizzle. Selena, you know what song I should have put on the playlist today, but I forgot? What? Black of the Berry from Kendrick Lamar. Oh. If we're going to be talking about black stuff today, I should have had one black angry stuff. black song. At least I'm one. Telling you, that is my angry black song anthem. I remember the first time that song came out and I played it in my room, in the living room, and I'm and like I had to turn it down. I'm like, oh, snap. I'm probably scaring the crap out of my white roommate. Oh, goodness. <laughs> no, nah, Gabby's cool. She was like, Stanley, turn that up. Uh, turn <laughs> it up. Oh, God. Yeah, Gabby's She's about, trying to she, ready to get ratchet. She, she about that life. Uh-oh. All right, guys. So we're back on Let Your Voice Be Heard. On 90.3 FM, WHCR, The Voice I'm of I'm going to have to stab you. Oh, guys, oh, but, but really? with this now pen. Now there's proof. Yes, there is proof. I just incriminated myself. Guys, forgive me again. I am a little nasally because I am suffering from allergies and sinuses. <laughs> so this is not how I normally sound. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Gen- Man out there who looking for a girlfriend. This is exactly <laughs> how she it. sounds. Imagine talking to this nasally voice on the phone. Hi, baby. <laughs> that was not. I'll bless a, you. <laughs> that was not a plea to men. Okay, Stanley. You're not trying to get chose out here. Anyway, you thank you say for no. thank you for borderline <laughs> offending me. Aww, um, <laughs> offend you, Selena. It's all good. You know, I'm used to Selena's it. Selena's pretty. She looks like a bag of money, guys. All right, thank you for cleaning it up You're in welcome. that way. What is a bag of money like? How is that an appealing thing? Hey, I didn't make the song. Tiff Bizzle, enlighten us. I, I don't know. And, like, if <laughs> I made a song money. about a girl being beautiful, a woman, I'd be like, she looks like a bag of books well, freshly I mean, purchased from Barnes Noble or Strand. That's attractive to me. I mean, a bag of free money would be attractive to anybody. Oh, that is, oh okay, exactly. free money. Because like, a bag of money is lumpy, so <laughs> that's not like a... Stanley's taking it too literal. All right. All right, guys. So we're going to have to jump into the segment to stop Stanley for a minute. But um, we're going to be talking again about Black Lives Matter, this movement. There is no question about it that Black Lives Matter has made a significant impact across our nation since its inception in 2013, following the acquittal of George Zimmerman and the Florida shooting of uh, African-American unarmed teenager Trayvon Martin. And since then, the movement has raised awareness about a number of issues regarding racial injustice. That includes like the disproportionate number of black people being arrested, harassed, jailed and killed by police. Um, And also Black Lives Matter has succeeded in getting people to hit the streets to protest about these issues and help spread awareness through social media. I'm sure we are all familiar with that hashtag Black Lives Matter if you don't constantly use it yourself. Amazing um, three women of color. Yes. Uh, yes. Black girls are black, uh, magic. Black girls are magic. No, I was talking about Black Lives Matter. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. I'm sorry about that, Stanley. So, um, as Black Lives Matter continues to grow, a number of people and even allies of the movement, people who call themselves allies of the movement, they began to start to question uh, some of their tactics and strategy and even their goals. And um, it's been going on for a few months. We know that a number of black uh, people aligned with Black Lives Matter have interrupted different political rallies, most notably uh, Bernie Sanders. When you know a few weeks back, he was about to step to the podium and give a speech to thousands of people and his supporters who were waiting online for hours to hear him speak and two young black women came, snatched the podium and told them why their lives matter, told them why black lives matter and told them, and, and held uh, Bernie Sanders accountable uh, to a certain large degree for his work and just not speaking enough uh, about the issue. But 
a number of people criticized it, and, and especially people within that audience. It was a majority white audience, and they were saying things like, you know what, get off the stage. Some people said they should be tased. Some people say they should be arrested. They were just, you know, a lot of people did not support that particular tactic um, at all. And then... I mean, as people, as they received a lot of backlash, a number of people aligned with the movement were saying, you know what, we shouldn't even be focusing on this tactic. That's a distraction. Look, we're here to make white people uncomfortable. If you're a progressive, if you're an ally, then you should be taking this stance and you should be talking about it from this angle or this much. And if you're not doing that, then you're hindering our movement. We're going to make our voices be heard because in traditional means, it's not, nothing's being done. So we're going to, we're going to do things that you may call radical, but we're here to let you know we're tired of seeing black and brown women, uh, being uh, black and brown men and women being killed across our nation. So, you know, moving forward, um, I, I, moving forward, then Black Lives Matter activists released a very a video of the of two pro of two leaders speaking with Hillary Clinton behind the scenes in New Hampshire. Um, so and in this video, if you guys haven't watched it, they confronted her. They also confronted the Bill Clinton administration for things that he did that helped incarcerate black people. And her stance was very straightforward. And she said, you know what? That happened, but what do you want me to do now? Where's the policy? Where's the legislation? Show me what to do because, frankly, we're not going to change hearts. We can change policy. We can change proposals. The leaders of Black Lives Matter came back. They said it to her. They also been saying it to other news organizations, saying things like, well, you, you know what? It's not our job to necessarily come up with those proposals and the policy. White people are being violent against us. You need to st- you need to stop that. You know we we don't have that agency that power to stop white people from taking um from from being violent against us, and you know that that has been from my understanding their position and their point. And they also said they were very they were disappointed in Hillary Clinton's response. I personally was not when I watched the video. I thought that she managed it really really well. Um, Stanley, did you want to jump in? Well, yeah, I, I thought ahead. you were going to say more. And Tiff, did you have something to say? I mean, as well, well you, can, you can you can go for it. Yeah, you can you can jump so, in. Right I would. I actually agree with Hillary too, because as someone who's running for office and is thinking about policy, that's the kind of response I would expect from her. It would make sense. It's when someone has a problem, you go to an elected official. We have a problem. There are only certain things that they can do to address that issue. So it's speak out on it, fund something, or pass legislation. Those are the three biggest things that they can do. When you're running for president and you're talking to someone who it, like really wants to push legislation and they're running they have to like they have to hone this into a message that can be clear they want to know what kind of policies do you, would you like so when I'm crafting like my rhetoric around it and what I'm going to do towards it I can use those as suggestions what did you expect from someone who's running for office Tiffany what was your reaction um I took is this thing that I feel like a lot of people think that you know, why are you targeting, you know, Bernie Sanders or Hillary Clinton? Because you're just almost like this whole preaching to the choir type of idea. And I feel like you have to come to these people because if I was preaching to the choir, then maybe there would have been more policies and more reforms already in place to really prevent a lot of this death that we're seeing around police brutality, healthcare, housing, this, that, and a third. 
And like you said, I'm not surprised what Hillary said. You know, it's to be expected to get a response like that from her. You know, she's trying to be as diplomatic as possible. I don't disagree with any of the tactics that are happening because every 28 hours, probably less by now, people are still dying. People are not taking it seriously. And then you have people like Trump saying that, oh, I would beat them up and Scott Walker, you know, really dismissing them. And these people that can potentially be in office, like we are in a state of emergency as black people. So I need you to really i feel like they really want um these elected officials to make this a crux of their campaign mm. and essentially they have to in a way they can i, they, can I jump in i'm sorry selena go ahead oh did you have something quickly <laughs> yes you gave me a crazy look just now i don't know if that, that's what they want because when hillary said what should i do they're like well that's not our responsibility good point we have to get our um, we have a very special guest on the line who i would like to take time to introduce and i know we're getting a lot of calls so we you know we'll definitely get to your calls as well um First, let me introduce Jamia Wilson. She is a social justice activist. She is also the executive director of Women, Action, and the Media, better known as WAM, with an explanation point. And she has been just leading um, the movement when it comes to feminist issues. And herself, as a black feminist, she speaks, speaks about race issues, gender issues, and how they all seem to interconnect. So do we have Jamia on the line right now, Stanley? All right, Jamia. So we started the conversation about Black Lives Matter. I wanted to get your take on sort of the criticism of their method of disruption. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited that we're talking about this important topic. And, you know, I think that there's been so much focus on the criticism on the method of disruption and not at the heart of the matter, which is state violence and violence against black people and police brutality focused on black lives. And I think that it's easy for us to look back at things that we would have done differently. You know, I think we all kind of have had those moments in our lives when something has happened and we've wished that we could have done something differently. And people said, oh, maybe you should have done it this way or done it that way. But in the moment when people are taking action in any human endeavor, uh, we have to go and do things and then learn from them afterward. And so I think that the focus on things that individuals might have done differently or strategies that might not have been the tactics that we might have deployed personally is less important than the actual result that the people who did do these actions were able to get, which was that all of the major candidates on the progressive side started to shift their messaging around the issue of state violence, mass incarceration, and Black Lives Matter. As very quickly after these actions happened. Jimmy, yeah, that... Oh, I'm sorry not to cut you off, but that is a very interesting perspective. You're saying that it doesn't matter what it takes to get to the goal as long as you hit the goal. And, and of course, Black Lives Matter has said our goal is to spread advocacy and to insert this national crisis into the presidential campaign and into, into the election. And you're saying, hey, if that's what happened, then, you know, that's what it took. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, when we look back, I... A lot of what happened in the past informs my work as an activist now. I really believe in listening to our elders and looking back at history and looking at things that happened and what we can do moving forward. And we had to have people working on all sides to get where we are now. And, you know, there's activists, there are revolutionaries, there are storytellers, there are media people. There, we have to have a whole ecosystem of people deploying different strategies and tactics to make this happen. 
And so I think that for me, the tactics are less the focus of my critique and more the result and the solutions that are being brought forth now are what I'm standing behind. And I also think that we are living in a society where black women's voices are not valued. And, you know, these have been the people who who have been kind of at the front of this conversation and have led these actions that have been critiqued so much. And I think that it's important to look at the people who are being critiqued and what does it mean in a larger sense around the fact that black women's voices evoke this sort of reaction from people. What does it mean when there's righteous anger and indignation coming from black women's bodies and then there's so much focus on critique? Right. Guys, if you're just tuning in, we have Jamia Wilson on the line. She is the executive director of Women Action and the Media. And we are talking about Black Lives Matter, particularly the tactics that are getting so much criticism right now. The phone lines are now opened. So if you do want to call in, you should call in now. The number is 212-650-6903. What you're saying, Jamia, you know, it's really, really interesting. And I understand your perspective. But then you have the other half of people who were saying, and you know, I know some of them, people who are on uh who affiliate themselves as or call themselves progressives are very liberal and they say it's it sort of alienates me when i see uh these black women inciting or or telling these these white progressives there to see bernie sanders that they're racist or you know bernie sanders just taking such a hard turn and like almost alluding that bernie sanders is not on their side or on our side and i, I hear the progressive saying that i was once an ally and now i can't really understand or respect these tactics so my question is and you know everybody can answer this question everybody can answer this question but the question is is are these particular tactics driving a division in the progressive movement can i go first okay you can go first thank you so much anyone who all of a sudden is not an ally anymore because a protester or an activist hurt their feelings or made them feel uncomfortable was never an ally to begin with you know how many times someone from the feminist movement has sent from my soul because i said something problematic or they deemed something i said or did problematic whether i knew so or not when you come in as a supporter as a person of privilege you must understand that you will be very aware of your otherness and sometimes they will not come out in a way that you like it but if you're going to support that is how you support by taking the lumps and still being there that's one and two um i want to respond to the original comment from the from the, from the guest bernie sanders i thought has started to respond after the first nets interruption so i didn't really understand the thought process behind the second one was that really necessary jimia you know i think that and i 100 percent agree with what we were just hearing too as well about the fact that if you really are down for this movement, then the focus is on the issues and the focus is on liberation and the ultimate goal of equality. And I I think that's where I am, too. And again, you know, I I share that same sort of feeling around what happened with the second action. You know, it would not have been my my personal next step tactic, um, but I also don't believe that it's in that it's my job to judge the people who felt like it was important for them to speak out and to center the issues of their community when they feel that their issues are being marginalized. And again, I do, I do think I would have deployed different strategy, especially in the, in the second case, but I also think that instead of criticizing the people who did it, I'm more focused on the result and the fact that we saw very quickly after that real response from these campaigns on social media and in terms of people putting forth um, 
policy discussions and conversations. And so, and I will also talk about the discomfort that you just mentioned for a second, too, that I find myself feeling very uncomfortable in these sorts of situations. But I still don't think that that means that they shouldn't happen anyway, <laughs> and that the discomfort is going to be necessary for us to grow. Often conversations about race, conversations about sexism are very difficult for us to have, these frank, real conversations. But we've got to move past the discomfort to get stuff done. Tiffany, really quickly before we go to break. Um, just to piggyback off of Stanley, I definitely think if you're an ally, you have to make sure that you are not censoring yourself. And like uh, Jamia just said, you know, sometimes when you have these conversations, she is uncomfortable. But you also have to think about, you know, black people are uncomfortable every single day when they live in these communities that be, are severely over-policed. So I think when it comes to, like, allyship, if you're going to take it away as soon as we do something that you deem inappropriate, then like Stanley said, you were never an ally. And I feel like a lot of these allies has to stop centering themselves. When we come back, thank you, Tiffany. When we come back, we have Christine on the line and some other people that want to let their voices be heard. Stay tuned. This is my jam now. <laughs> Something. Some, oh, we on air. Zamzaddy. <laughs> coffee in the morning. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard. Ooh, stand- this is R&B Stanley. Hold it's on. It's a quiet storm. <laughs> Hold on. I'm about to hit you out with some R&B jams right no. here. I want to feel. Okay. Dum, dum. Body rolling. Dum, oh. dum. Oh. I want to show you, baby. I'm going to get you. Dad, I need you. Let me get to the chorus. And who can love you like me? Nobody. <laughs> who can treat you like me? Nobody. <laughs> who can interrupt Selena's segment? Stanley Fritz, baby, <laughs> and Selena's gonna talk. Go ahead, girl. Thank you for again a, wong, 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 no. a grand introduction, Stanley. I don't know who you're supposed to be today. Trap Lord. Okay, singing Trap Lord, Stanley Fritz on the um on the PC ones and twos. Guys, we are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard. All jokes aside, we're having a great discussion with Jamia Wilson. She is the executive director of Women, Action, and the Media, a.k.a. WHAM. And we're talking about Black Lives Matter. She is a strategist and a movement builder herself. And we're talking about how the Black Lives Matter activists have been building their movement. And we're going to ask the question, you know, later on in the segment, are they building it to have a lasting impact or will this just be for a moment, which is sort of similar to what happened with Occupy Wall Street? Debatable. So we'll, we'll we'll talk about that later. I understand we do have a caller on the line. We have Christine who would like to let her voice be heard. The floor is yours. Hi. Good afternoon, everybody. I was listening to the discussion and um, the critiques of the activists who interrupted Bernie Sanders' speech. And I thought it was beautiful because of the simple fact that it reminded me of the sit-ins back in the 50s when we had the original civil rights movement. And all the people who were critiquing what these young women did, those are the same things that were said during the sit-ins when people were hosed and dogs were let loose on them. So if people are saying the same thing about this, um, this, uh, this act, you're doing the right thing because that was the exact same knee-jerk reaction everybody had the last time. And we see that there was a lot of good that came from it. Now, when we talk about our political, um, the politics of the presidency, even though there's a lot of people who are against it and there's a lot of progressives that are on board and some people are now 
it sounds a little bit like they're changing their stance, that's also a good thing because even though this is a movement, it's also a battle. And right now the battle lines are being drawn, and everybody is getting into their position. So when it comes time to vote, as black people, we need to keep in, we have to keep in mind what's being said right now. If you seem to like somebody's politics, but they're sitting there saying that those women should have been tased, understand that they think that if you speak your mind at an inopportune moment, it's okay to tase you. That's not going along with what you believe. So if that's important to you, when it comes, when November comes, remember the reaction to all the, the different protests. Remember all of those things when it comes to the person you're planning on voting for because they're letting you know. Nobody's going to 100% flat out say, you know what, I think it's okay to kill unarmed black people. But their reactions will tell you if they have a problem with killing unarmed black people. And if that's something that matters to you, use your voting power in November to let them know they either come on board or you have no place. Mm having a say in what I what affects me. So thank, get down or lay down. Thank you so much for calling in, Christine. We definitely appreciate your, your feedback, guys. If you're listening and you want to chime in, the number is 212-650-6903. Or tweet us at BeHeard underscore radio so christine made a you know a a a, a large a really good points and um i i wanted to push back a little bit because i think that you know what if this might not be a good example but what if let's say you were at like a concert or you pay tickets to see beyonce or something like that and they were like well you know what or you know these people like who um, have a lot of acclaim and a lot of fame in the black community, they should also be using their platform to speak out against these issues. Um, and let's just say you wanted to push them to do the same thing. I understand they're not running for president and they don't have to address this, but like, are are we saying when we say that the black when we say that the black protesters just were you know they were expressing themselves at an inopportune time? Was it just like? inopportune or is that like downplaying you know the fact that this was a political campaign this was a political rally and we haven't necessarily seen them take as action like this against people like hillary clinton probably because they couldn't because hillary clinton i would uh presume has a a whole army of forces around her and security (laughs) guards that would never let someone get to that platform so are they just taking advantage of the fact that bernie sanders you know he's more accessible squad well yes and no Bernie knows he's going to be interrupted. Get some better security. You saw Hillary shot that down and met with them. I mean, um, what do you like? What do you, what do y'all want? I mean, I don't necessarily agree. I don't necessarily. I didn't necessarily agree strategy wise with the Seattle election. Actually, I didn't agree strategy wise with the Seattle election because I thought he had already begun responding, and I thought at that point it was time to give him a chance to show. Because like two days before the um, interruption came, he just rolled out a policy. Um, his like his policy for you know criminal justice reform and in regards to the Black Lives Matter movement, and he released a video talking directly to like people of color, the Black community, saying why he wanted to be their president, and there had been traction. But I mean, like, Bern- like Bernie knows what's going down. Every presidential candidate knows you will be interrupted. President Obama is interrupted by people all the time talking about whales need winter coats or some other nonsense. So why wouldn't you not be? Why wouldn't you expect that to happen? Um, I want to get Jamia's um, re- response on that, and then we'll, we have another caller on the line who we'll go to. I actually think that if someone wants to be commander-in-chief of our country, they need to be ready for this sort of thing to happen. 
you know, being disrupted at a rally or at a progressive protest is nothing when you're thinking about negotiating nuclear deals. <laughs> so I think that in that same case, I agree that this is something that if we purport to be in favor of free speech and democracy, that this should be celebrated and that, you know, when people come in and they protest, that I'm a believer that we should, you know, take note and listen if we agree with the principles of that protest. And I also think that it's really important to think about the fact that in Bernie Sanders' case, the in the recent video that came out, um, I think it was a Meet the Press video recently, where he said that he did he was not going to apologize about his response to Black Lives Matter and shutting people down. And one of the takes that I read that I thought was really interesting, which was from someone who had actually been a part of the action at Netroot, who said, you know, not only did he say he didn't apologize, you know, right after he was rolling these policies out and asserting his civil rights record to kind of re-ingratiate himself the community, but also it undermines the new black woman who's been hired as the face of the campaign who had apologized on behalf of the campaign. And so him coming out after she apologized and then saying, oh, actually, people on my staff apologize and jump the gun, but I'm actually not apologizing. I don't think that was a good look. Right. Now, I remember um, that interview where he did just clarify and say that I didn't authorize that apology at all. Um, but I do want to give... That was dumb for me. Right. I, I don't know how strategic that was. Um, I do want to give We have another next, call on the line. Yeah. Internet, um, it sounds like you're having a trap party. I need you to turn, <laughs> turn, to turn it down or go to another room real quick so we can get you on air. Yes, Antoinette. Um, are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Floor is yours. Okay, cool. Yeah, my name is Antoinette. Um, I'm actually from, I'm from Charleston, South Carolina, um, but I live in New York. Um, and just coming off of a trip um, in New Orleans, and I just wanted to um, talk um, about, you know, like, black, the Black Lives um, Matter. Just like, you know, y- y'all are saying, like, oh, is this, like, a moment or is this a movement, right? Um, and for me, it's like growing up in Charleston um, and then, like, being in New York for as long as I've been. And also even, like, being in, like, different places, um in the states, you know, from, like, traveling and stuff, it's, like, the, I feel like the, the experience that we feel, like, within um, any of these states, any of these towns that, like, I've been in, in, it's still a stifling presence of this, like, police force of this kind of white supremacist, like, attitude, and um, it, it, it hasn't changed, you know, it doesn't change from, like, wherever you are within this nation, within this, within these states. Um, and I feel like because it hasn't changed and because, you know, it's like black lives are go beyond a moment in time, it's like this is this is truly a movement, mm-hmm. um, especially if, you know, you're every single day um, having to deal with, um, you know, wor- worrying about, like, you know, how you're dressed or, like, you know, how someone's going to um, receive you in anything that you're doing, whether it's going out and, like, having fun with your friends or, you know, going into some type of, type of academic atmosphere, like how someone's going to um, receive you. And then when you come into contact with a cop, like forever wondering, like, how that's going to um, affect um, your daily life. Um, you know, this is, this is about, you know, broadcasting, you know, a movement, like broadcasting, like, you know, your everyday life and how, um, you know, the society has over the years just kept pushing at you and kept, you know, um, 
beating you down because they feel as though, you know, they, they have that right. They have that entitlement to um, just not care how, you know, your life is when, you know, they're white and privileged and don't have to worry about those day-to-day um, affairs. You know, I feel that, you know, this is a movement. Yeah, it feels like, oh, this is just another thing that, like, black people are talking about, another thing that black people are just very um, mad about in the moment, right? But it's like, no, we've been mad. We've been talking about it, and this is just, you know, another kind of, I guess, like, uptick in our anger and in our, um, you know, indignation about, um, you know, the society that we live in. Thank you so much, Antoinette, for calling in and giving um, your critique on the question that we've been posing on Twitter and um, also on our website. Is Black Lives Matter a moment or a movement? And I wanted to throw that, you know, just ask that question, open it up to our panel and, of course, our special guests. Um, And and a sort of question, well, of course, like Antoinette said, Black lives are always going to matter, and it seems like there's not going to be a near future where we can stop actively pushing for our own justice and our own liberation. But I think that when we ask, you know, the question of is this movement, you know, which is sort of projecting itself or posturing itself as like the new civil rights movement, when it comes to having the lasting impact and tangible changes, like as we've seen in civil rights, we've seen um, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. and all the named and unnamed activists of that movement pushed for, to have the Voting Rights Act pushed. And this was one of the most historic pieces of legislation in our country. And also there was also a number of other reforms that were made. Um, when we see Black Lives Matter, do we see this as just a move, a moment where a lot of people on social media think it's cool to use the hashtag? They come out to rallies, but they're not really doing anything else. They're not signing petitions. They're not, you know, they're not really taking it to the next step. And stuff like that does fizzle out. I mean, if if you look at, you know, Occupy Wall Street, every, you know, a lot of you people in my own circle were very big into going down to the rally and, you know, joining the movement. But once it phased out of and it wasn't getting as much media coverage, it's like what really happened and what really, you know, like what are the results? Like when we read our history books 20 years from now, what is it going to say um, about this? And, you know, and if we look at let's look at something like the Tea Party, which sprung up when President Barack Obama, our first African-American president, was elected. You know, not only did the Tea Party start out as a grassroots organization, but they moved to elect officials and change policy that has lasting results to this day in our country and moving forward. So that's how I'm looking at it when I ask the question, is Black Lives Matter a movement or a moment? And I'll start with you, Tiffany. Um, I think people want us to ask for permission. You know, we're getting to the point where it's like, you know, can we do this? Can we interrupt you? Can we have this meeting? And we see that black people are no longer people of color. Um, We can't be expected to put faith in a system that has systematically oppressed us, whether it's through, you know, racist uh, police departments or institutionalized racism with different policies. Because last year, we've all remembered Clive and Bundy and, you know, the cattle rancher who refused to pay federal taxes and everyone was, like, you know, calling him a national hero. Rand Paul was like, yes, he's awesome. Until he said something racist, it's crazy. And I was like, but that was kind of should have been expected. But, like, no one called him out when he had, you know, 
um, people that were actively had weapons, like fixed on federal agents. These are people that are walking in the street asking for questions when Mike Brown was laying in the um, on the ground, or when the recent um, young kid that got shot in St. Louis, when people were saying like you know disputes uh, that the plainclothes police officers just went into the the community and started shooting at these boys. So it's like it was getting to the point that we're no longer asking for permission. Can we or can we not do something? I don't think this is a moment because I feel like you have a lot of people that have uh, woke up and this hasn't start I mean it started yes with um, Mike Brown but you know we had Sean Bell and Trayvon Martin all these people like leading up to this like we've experienced so many um, cases where there was just no justice where we did put our faith in the system in our elected officials and they failed us time and time again so I think now we're seeing that students and people and young people millennials are just like listen it's enough whether you like that i'm interrupting bernie sanders or not or i'm interrupting hillary or you know um any other person that is going to be in office we want to see what you're talking about because now you have to earn our votes you know now you have to tell us how are you going to make a difference for black and brown people in this country because you're killing us you're killing us whether you like stanley spoke about earlier in the show whether we have food deserts in our communities lack of education you know or poor housing you are attacking us on all fronts you know police brutality is just you know on the main stage right now but black people and people of color poor people we are being attacked on all fronts I think this police side, this issue is just allowing us to get into the door. But we have so many other issues to address, and I don't think it's definitely not a moment. So you mentioned that we're being attacked on all fronts, and I think that in order to win the war for black liberation, or liberation of all underrepresented people, because when I say liberation, obviously I want the liberation of African Americans, first and foremost, but then we also have to make sure we are fighting for LGBT people, specifically trans people. Mm-hmm. We have to make sure we're fighting for women's rights. There is a swath, there's, there's a huge group of people who are underrepresented, who have been the underdog and who have been mistreated and just ignored by the status quo. So we have to make sure we fight for them as well. And I believe that the only way you can win this battle is by fighting it from different fronts. And not just four or five fronts, but all fronts. So Black Lives Matter, if the goal is to just get people talking about it and get their attention, that is fine. But we need something like this is the movement who just came out with Campaign Zero. And they have a 10 point plan they have 10 pieces of legislation that they suggested as as a goal to end all police violence so to have all unarmed people being killed from police have that number go down to zero by the year um, 2025 i believe it is you need people like that you need people who are going to go and run for office and take over the system because in the civil rights movement it wasn't just marching and speeches there was policy and there were conversations and as much as people hate the system that we have this is the system and you're not just going to turn over a system that's been working for over 200 years and things are going to be okay it takes time uh, Jimmy, what do you think of when you even hear the question, is Black Lives Matter a moment or a movement? I wholeheartedly believe that it's a movement. I think that this is the fact that we're seeing such attention being paid to it, the fact that this transference of power of voice and the leveraging of grassroots that has been done in such a decentralized movement, and the fact that there have been actual campaign policy statements as well as responses that have emerged as a result of this organizing is very powerful and shows that it's a movement. And I also think that I agree that it's taken a long time for us to get here and for the system of oppression to be built, and it's going to take time to dismantle it, and it will take a movement to dismantle it. 
And then finally, I think it's really important to think about the fact that the cultural tipping point where it makes things that are taken for granted by many people who aren't experiencing oppression um, seem normalized or commonplace needs to change. And so this movement is a movement because it's not just about politics and legislation. It's about important shifts in culture and society that also need to be made beyond politics. So we have a lot of work to do because it needs to be fought on all fronts. Right. Thank you so much, Shamia, for that comment and also joining us and calling in to our show today. If Can you please let our listeners know how they can follow you and also get in touch with your organization, WAM? Thank you so much for having me. I've loved being in this conversation with you. To follow me, follow me on Twitter at Jamia, J-A-M-I-A-W, and also follow Women Action in the Media at, at Women Act Media. Looking forward to movement building with you. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys. And I just want to close out by saying really quickly that, you know, just to reiterate some points that it is important for us to understand that Black Lives Matter as a movement is shifting the way that we talk about trans people of color, um, the way we talk and see black and brown people being shot and killed, uh, whether they're um, usually when they're unarmed. Um, it is shifting, you know, just the notion and the language and the rhetoric. And it also has shifted the way media covers all of these things. And that's very important and crucial. But I think that when it comes to the policy and the changes, I think that that is just as important or if not more important than because the thing is what I've noticed, especially like throughout generations and when it comes to activism it's almost like on trend things shift there was not that long ago when the big thing for progressives to be talking about was immigration or feminism or you, you know what i'm saying or, or lgbt issues and trans issues and i think that uh, you know it, it sort of fluctuates like the popularity of it even though you always have those on the ground activists who dedicate their lives to fighting for this one root cause when it comes to the masses our attention does shift very quickly and i'm not confident that black lives matter the the, the hash the movement will be as prevalent in our lives um, in a few years from now. But I will say that if we get the, 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 these policies and proposals passed, then that would be the best way to leave a lasting impression. And even if, you know, the Black Lives Matter activists themselves don't go out and get this stuff pushed, I think that they have ignited and sparked other people like the activists behind Campaign Zero and the reform movements behind police accountability. I think that we can always thank Black Lives Matter for putting these issues to the forefront and then helping and then acting as a catalyst to get it done as other people aligned with the movement are doing. So with that said, we're going to go on a quick break and then we're going to come back to the quickie right here and let your voice be heard.